Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. So in an era of rapid and sometimes unpredictable change, preparing students to navigate this evolving landscape is paramount. There's technological advancements and cultural shifts that are reshaping businesses, industries, and also opportunities due to a changing pace of these landscapes. So by equipping students with adaptable skills, critical thinking, and a growth mindset, we can empower them to thrive amidst all this uncertainty. So in today's show, we are lucky to be talking with Lucy Codret, who is a VR consultant, career coach, and she's been using VR to enable students to be more future ready. She's been involved in developing and deploying VR internships and honing VR soft skills. So welcome to the show, Lucy. Thank you, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Not all listeners are probably familiar with the term career coach. So maybe let's start there. Can you explain that to people? What kind of profession it is? What do you do with that hat? Sure. So maybe to start with coaching more generally and in simple terms, as a coach, I help uh, people, my clients, my coaches achieve their goals, uh, their ambitions. So how do I do that? Mostly by helping them understand themselves better. So raising their self-awareness. I listen. I challenge. I effectively support them to get from where they are now to where they want to be. And that can be in their lives or in their careers. And I guess the focus on careers is probably personally, I'm really interested in that area. I love how we can be and get creative with our careers. Um, it's not the typical climbing up the ladder that maybe our or my parents would talk about anyway. So I really enjoy working with ambitious individuals that want to get their next promotion or maybe set up their own business um, or maybe go into a different role, their first managerial role, or just maybe gaining clarity in uh, what they want to do in their career and where to go next. So yeah, that's, I, I heard yeah. the term gig economy, which uh, was new to me about a year or so ago. And that really, you know, I have two children, one's 24, the other's 22. And it is so different from when I grew up and when my parents grew up, because their way, what they want out of a job and career isn't necessarily what we were looking for, or we're told to look for. So it's so interesting. Yeah, no, 100%. It's completely different. Let's Let's add VR into the mix now, because this is a show, of course, about VR. How, you know, kind of two parts to this question. One, personally, how did you get interested in VR? And then maybe two, how did you start to sort of foresee it to be used for some of the things that you do as a consultant and as a career coach? Yeah, so I guess 
my first interest was piqued with my first experience in VR, which I still remember really well. And it was when I was at university. I think it was in 2016. I was at the gym. I'd just finished an organized triathlon group triathlon event and in the reception area there were a couple of people dressed in army uniforms and they were promoting the army and and answering questions about the army and I personally had no interest in joining the army whatsoever but I saw they had a headset and I was curious so I tried it on and they made me well the, the experience made me jump out of a plane I think it was and I landed on this mountain that was really scary but really exciting there were people in front of me behind me I could hear chatter I could feel and I'm even moving with as I'm telling the story because I could still feel it the wind I could feel the wind but I could hear the wind and it felt like I was there and it really appealed to my adventurous side it didn't quite convert me to go to the army uh, but if I was interested it it might have been um, convincing for me but um so that was my first experience and i never really experienced much more vr i don't think until i joined the company i'm working for at the moment capfinity in 2021 um and i didn't join the vr team i joined the talent development team and my manager was really interested in vr and i was curious i asked loads of questions i kept nagging the people that were involved in vr i asked if i could have demos if i could get involved if i could try it out and eventually they let me uh, experience it. And then I just didn't let it go. I was just so intrigued, interested in the power, the impact it had on me, the way it made me feel. But also I was really curious and intrigued by other people's reactions. I love what I still do. I still love watching people their first time in VR or their reactions to different environments. And I think that's when it made me realize the impact it could have in a learning context um, and the impact it can have in in wider contexts as well because we know VR is used in in loads of different contexts and um, yeah and then I joined the VR team officially in January of this year uh, in Capfinity. Wow I I can't believe you know sometimes they always uh, caution creators or people that are deploying VR to take it slow. The army definitely did not take that uh, credence very well. Like I could imagine myself trying to do that. I can't even, you know, there's this experience that many of us have seen on TV called Ricky's plank experience where you try and go in an elevator to like the uh, uh, top floor of a high rise apartment and then try and walk out on the virtual plank. I I can't do it. I'm so scared of heights. So for me, and I think of the experience you just told me, I would have been, I would have been screaming if I had to jump out of an airplane for sure. So that's so interesting that uh, they started that way. And you know, we won't get down the rabbit hole of, you know, whether that's good for VR or not, but let's focus in on something a little more gentle and that's soft skills and how you've been sort of using VR to try and help people with their soft skills and self-awareness skills. So talk a little bit more about how you've been deploying that. Yeah, sure. So I mean, VR for soft skills, we mostly use it in three different capacities. So students, for students in university, so higher education, we use it for early careers. So interns, apprentices, graduates in organizations and senior leaders as well. So maybe if I, if I share a bit more about the example of how we use virtual reality in the higher education context, um, that will be helpful. And it relates to some of the other bits that we, we do in organizations. 
Um, so in, in higher education, we developed a module called Developing Future Skills with Virtual Reality. And the important thing to note with this module is that it's multimodal. So it's, it's blended. We don't just use VR, we use virtual reality, but we also use seminars, classes, debriefs, online, in-person, um, and we use different tools. It's not just in virtual reality, which I think it's important to, to point out because I've seen online a couple of VR universities where it's all in VR, which we don't think is necessarily the the best approach when you're developing soft skills. Um, and the VR experience that we created replicates a real world enterprise, which allows you as a student to learn more about your strengths, to learn more about realistic workplace challenges and tasks and all in a safe environment. So VR provides that safe environment. It re replicates an example or a situation that you might not be able to replicate yourself or at university. So that's that's part of the the why VR in this in this context and the story for for this module is that the student acts as the CEO of the company and they have to go through product development which is one environment in virtual reality they have to go through customer relations marketing they need to make decisions about hiring someone they need to look at data uh, and make some decisions and analyze data to make decisions about expansion of the product. And then at the end, they need to pitch their idea for investment in a Dragon's Den environment or a Shark Tank environment uh, to pitch their idea. So we're looking at loads of different skills in terms of problem solving, decision making, analysis, communication, critical thinking, uh, collaboration and teamwork because they work in teams and they debrief all of those insights and they, those skills in seminars uh, in small groups as well. So they talk about the experience that they have, the learnings that they have during the virtual uh, experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so in the experience that you described, do students go in asynchronously and then the avatars that they interact with have some sort of AI or algorithms and codes such that they respond back depending on what the person says or is this a synchronous environment where more than one student goes in and plays maybe a different role or perspective so there's two elements to it there's both the originally the way we designed it it was a self-led learning experience so they would go at university to have a seminar to debrief some of the activities but they would each have a headset that they would take home and do activity one activity two at home and then they would come back to university next week or so uh, depending on the timing that that you schedule it for um, but it would be self-led at home you do the the activities it the the, the app that we created records your learnings and your actions in virtual reality, and then you come back uh, to, to discuss it in, in your class. Um, we also have a multiplayer uh, function where they can create their avatars and they can go into the Dragon's Den environment, for example, and practice their presentations, give each other feedback. They can use their slides that they can, they can have in the uh, VR environment as they're presenting and each of them can take turns and give each other feedback. So that's also another option. So you guys took more of a holistic approach, which I find, you know, interesting and would like to sort of unpack a little bit more. There are lots of VR soft skill vendors out there. Uh, body swaps comes to mind and 
Tibet's um, virtual speech is another one that I'm familiar with. And they try and target more, you know, individual skills. Like they focus just on, you know, a 10 minute thing on improving your public speaking or a 10 minute on improving your empathy. Whereas you guys have wrapped it more in a story or scenario. What led you to take that more holistic approach? Um, good question. I think for for various reasons. I mean, one one skill that we we talk about a lot is the self awareness piece, and and Capfinity was founded on on strengths, so positive psychology and using strengths in assessment, in development contexts, um, including virtual reality. So we've taken a similar approach that we have in our talent development team. We use a, a stars model um, where we we get to. Um, learners to to think to stir their thinking before they act so that's the vr the, the doing piece um the experiential piece and then reflect uh, afterwards and that that self-awareness piece is probably what we would consider the most important skill to to develop to begin with and and i don't know if you're familiar with um who is it dr tasha urich's uh, research and work around self-awareness where um her research suggests that 95 percent of people think they are self-aware but only 15 percent actually are so it's a critical skill to develop and and from that skill you can build other skills and we, we, we were part of this campaign, um, Skills for Skills. I think it's www.skillsforskills.org. You can see uh, eight core skills that develop further skills. So when you have those skills, you can develop further skills. And that's what strengths, skills, our experience with working with organizations um, and the skills that they're looking for for early careers kind of influenced the work that we've done with higher education, with organizations uh, to kind of pick which skills uh, we would focus on and, and have that wrap around with the self-awareness piece, the reflection piece, the strengths piece. Yeah, the, the debrief and the reflection are, are key or essential. Does, do they get any formative feedback within the experience or does all the ruminating happen after the hands-on experiential learning piece basically outside of VR? So both. So for the the experience in higher education, they have some, well, they, they complete a strengths profile beforehand. So they're aware of their strengths before they go into the experience. And in the experience, they have some strengths-based questions uh, to reflect on after going through product development, after going through data analysis, after reviewing CVs and hiring principles and so on. So they have those reflective questions in VR, and then they have further discussion. And also they've added um, a couple of, I think there's a reflective essay uh, to be done at the end in terms of your whole experience and, and some really lovely feedback and unexpected uh, benefits and, and outcomes have come out of the experience in terms of feeling more confident and empowered um, in terms of being a CEO. When will they, I mean, they might all become the next CEOs and entrepreneurs after this module, but it's unlikely that they've had that experience or that in their first role, they will have uh, the experience to, to make decisions on hiring someone or uh, based on data or pitching. So it really helped with with confidence, which maybe was um, when you would help with the strengths focus, but maybe not with the feeling of being empowered as a CEO in making decisions. So there were some good, some really positive maybe unexpected benefits that came out of it as well. 
one thing I've been doing a lot of reading about confidence and learning too. And one of the things of course, that is key is repetition. So do students often go back and retry these experiences or do you have them just due to, you know, how quickly they have to get through this particular course, just suggest they try it once? So with the this experience, they try it typically, it depends which, which room or which environment. We've seen that for the pitching, the Dragon's Den Shark Tank experience, they try it more than once because they want to practice presenting and feeling confident before they, they pitch it. So that's probably the room where we see more repetition and more practice than the others. In some of them, it's reviewing information or or decisions that they made or notes that they made um, or how they rated something in, in a certain room. But typically, the majority of the rooms can be done once. They can revisit them twice, three times, as many times as they want. There's enough, there's sufficient time in the whole experience to, to revisit. One of the hardest things about training, whether it's using VR for training or other learning and development programs, is we see a lot of analytics and measurement on the training that either happens within the experience, you know, so how many things they got right or wrong or, you know, debriefing after. But, you know, I think one thing that people miss is can they transfer what they've learned in that course or module to their real life experience? Have you have you got any feedback on that? Because you did allude to it already. And that is like, you know, how good would they be then at hiring or firing other people, you know, once they got a real job or a new job, you know, have you gotten uh, longitudinal feedback on whether it's been effective in helping them with their, their real jobs? So for, for the students, we're still in touch with um, a couple, but not all of them. And the university is still analyzing that data and keeping in touch with the students to, to gather information like that. Um, the, the main theme that's come through for the students is confidence uh, and feeling ready and, and having an, ed an edge as well when they, they come up for interviews or CVs, they can say they've done some virtual reality, uh, they've explored cutting edge technology, uh, they had to make high stake decisions in, in that module and developed uh, soft skills uh, that, we, that we mentioned earlier. And so, so for those students, I'm, I don't have the, the data specifically yet on that. I think what we've seen in, in the work that we've done for early careers or uh, leaders, we have seen behavior change when it's done well. And when I say when it's done well, it's when you have that learning methodology behind it. So we use the STARS model um, inspired by uh, Brinkerhoff. Uh, we, we sometimes use Bloom's taxonomy. We use um, the learning cycle by Kolb. So if there is some type of learning methodology behind it, it's, it works because there's some before, there's some during, and there's some after. Uh, in that learning experience. And because the experience, especially with early careers, with interns and graduates, I still remember we had, this was with uh, graduates, they, they they could not stop talking about their experience to their peers, uh, to their colleagues, to everybody in, in the organization, which reinforced their learning. And, and because they were observing, it was a group setting, they were observing others, they noticed what 
other people's strengths were uh, or their weaknesses and how they reacted to certain stimuli or or scenarios and so on and and that helped with their own reflection as well and the feedback from uh, Eva 360s or from the L&D managers has been that the the impact on on those individuals has been seen through um through their actions in in the workplace and through their development so so in terms of behavior change i i do believe that it can happen if the structure and the learning me- methodology is behind it uh, then absolutely we've talked quite a bit about the word confidence but i i want to attach it to another superpower that vr avails itself and that is the ability through avatars to change how you look and so in your experiences that you've provided either the one on self-awareness where they eventually have to pitch a product or maybe you know the leadership one that you alluded to as well are students allowed to pick an avatar uh, based on whatever they want, or are they locked into a certain type of avatar? So for, for example, the VR internship that we, we did, the interns were able to choose and to create their own avatars. Um, so we use Ready Player Me. I don't know if you're familiar with that platform, yep. so they can upload a photo um, and then edit their avatar accordingly. Um, that's, that's, that's a huge point of engagement, um, especially with this group of interns that we we delivered this for this year. Um, they love creating their avatars. They love seeing other people's avatars. Some kind of make their avatars look a bit funny. Some take a lot of time to make their avatars look like themselves and are concerned by the fact, do I look like myself? Asking their peers, do I look like me? Um, because they've met in real life or, or on Zoom or something. Um, so I think that's a, a key point of engagement, especially for, for this particular age group. Uh, pro- well, probably for other age groups as well, actually. I think I've seen it mostly, we've mostly delivered the avatar with uh, early careers. And and I know, I think I've read some research, I think it was the Stanford VR library uh, research that showed engagement is higher when there is some sort of avatar, whether it's a real person behind that avatar or, or just some moving avatars, engagement tends to be higher with with learners. But what were, what have you noticed in regards to either how it um, changes their perception of self-awareness or again, you know, I'm happy to hang our conversation on the notion of leadership. Like, a, you know, when you're doing leadership training, for example, confidence obviously is key during certain elements of being a leader. So it, I guess in in one scenario, I'm envisioning if I'm a, a shy, introverted person, but I change my avatar to a big, tall person, you know, does that then change my, my, my power and therefore my ability to lead? But it's all artificial because I have to come back to the real world and maybe I'm only five foot one. And again, in the real world, I now struggle with that body and therefore my leadership abilities to to take control of a situation. Yeah, I think it's an interesting area to explore. It's not one that, because in leadership, our solution is more focused around, they don't use avatars. It's um, we, a coach observes them as they complete different challenges, but there's no, there are avatars in the VR experience, but that are on loop, but they're, they're not real um, people behind them or the, the user themselves 
is not a, in an avatar or hasn't chosen an avatar. I think I remember, it might have been through this podcast actually, um, hearing about the impact on on confidence or around body um, image and or maybe even weight weight loss or or get getting into more healthy habits through changing your avatar uh, or something like that. So I am intrigued around it. We haven't used it in the leadership context um, yet, but I, I wonder as the technology develops as we, because we record sometimes some of the in, the activities that happen in, in VR and it'd be interested to, to look at the body language, but also because at the moment with avatars, you can see body language with hands, heads, but what's interesting that we observe with the leaders is when we watch them physically, we watch their body language as they engage with different activities. You can see the feet moving a certain way. The stance is different um, in one environment to another. And that's interesting for us as coaches to, to unpick and, and discuss, which you can't necessarily see or the, unless you, you add other elements to your legs to measure um, those movements, you wouldn't be able to see with just a headset and two controllers. And when you're coaching in either of the situations, either the leadership one or the one about self-awareness and they have to pitch a product, are you inside the VR experience as an avatar or are you outside watching on a tablet or on a screen to see their movements, behaviors, etc.? Yes, yeah, so both really. There's two formats. One format with the senior leaders. We we watch them. We're sat. Uh, we've got. We're using screencasting. We watch them in VR and we watch them physically in real life. So we're hearing what they're saying. We're watching their body language as well as what they're doing in the virtual reality environment. And and then we have a debrief about everything that they were saying, not saying, body language, and what they were doing in in the VR. And something else that we're trialing at the moment is coaching. So one-to-one coaching with me as a coach and an avatar and the coachee as an avatar in an environment where we have, we use strengths profile. So where they have their strengths profile, we have strengths cards that they can use um, and, and move around in the environment. And that's proven really effective because they, so far the feedback is that they really enjoy having somebody to, to, do something with and, and experience the VR with, which would have been different, I think, if I was just a voice in the room or behind a computer. Uh, they see me moving as I speak. They see my hands moving, my head moving, tilting, listening to, to what they're saying. So it makes it feel a bit more engaging and more real. Um, and and yeah, and so far, I think each time we said, let's stay in VR for about 20 to 30 minutes. And each time we got carried away to to 40 or more minutes in in the coaching so yeah even the notion of time within vr often the the students as well as the adults that i work with you know um it's actually you know they'll i'll say okay we're done we're done the vr experience and they'll be like oh like what time is it like they your sense of time mm. in there just is so off so I, i'm glad you said that because I've, I've seen the same thing is there yeah. is there anything else maybe that we haven't talked about that maybe you wanted to bring the attention to the audience that you're doing because you're doing some amazing stuff? Yeah, um, I think I mean there's there's so much that we're exploring with the coaching, with the avatars, with the the multiplayer function. I think the the avatar piece, um, exploring how you would feel 
by being a certain way or or and and in different environments i think is is an interesting uh point and something that we'll probably explore in a bit more detail in the coaching context um and see how people react and, and how they feel and we're we're leveraging um ai like probably most um most of the people out there working in in virtual reality uh we use it to to get input so text um to speech um or speech to text and and we're using it for content our developers are using it for uh for vr development for soft from a software development and level design perspective it's really useful um in terms of getting ai generated textures or 3d models so so yeah so we're exploring different different things that we can do with AI and and even using like having real live com- conversations we all know that there's a bit of a I think something went viral on LinkedIn at one point in terms of the speed of having a response in those sorts of scenario which is, is still a bit slow um, and the quality needs to be checked in terms of what's coming back to you is it correct is it safe is it relevant um, so I think there's some interesting solutions that we're exploring at the moment that um, we'll be ready to share when when it's ready ready for market. Um, and I think maybe just one last thing to to share is the on a communication uh, side where we're exploring you know I mentioned the the pitching in the dragon's den we're exploring different environments to to explore and to improve our communication skills with different levels or um, different experiences for different um, individuals needs because we might be coming at different levels in terms of experience in speaking and and may want to to try um, giving a speech uh, on the edge of a bridge or <laughs> in a TEDx um, environment or whatever it may be. I'm joking and, about the bridge, but <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that. I mean, uh, as, as a teacher for many years, one of the things that we've definitely had to up our game on is differentiation. So, you know, we, we often teach to the middle or the average learner that's in the room or in the course, but with the help of all these tools now and technology, you know, we can have, like you said, a level maybe for a novice you know, and then a level for someone who's, you know, just has a bit more experience, uh, has upped their game and therefore intermediate, as well as, you know, the expert learner who would be probably bored to death at the beginning sort of level of any learning experience. And so I love the, the idea or the notion that you guys are looking at trying to level up on that. So well done. How can people get a hold of you if they want to learn a little bit more about some of the great stuff that you're doing? Uh, yes, probably on on LinkedIn. It's probably the best uh, place to get in touch. I post articles sometimes about VR, skills gap, learning, leadership, and technology. So, um, yeah, happy to connect with anyone and to be contacted directly on LinkedIn. Amazing. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the show and reaching out to me. I always love to hear, you know, use cases and different use cases and best practices. And so uh, I appreciate you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Bye for now. Bye.